0: You are listening to Crosstalk, a safe place to discuss addiction, recovery, harm reduction, and everything in between. Support for this podcast comes from the Kentucky Opioid Response Effort and Advocates of Recovery. Content and production by the team at Turning Point Recovery Community Center. Now, buckle up and get ready for the show.
1: Welcome everyone to Crosstalk Recovery, the recovery podcast that supports all forms of recovery. I'm Matt Lewis and I'm here with... Cody Lynn.
0: Uh, Matthew Dacus, uh, area manager for Spiro Health.
2: Lori Stratman, counselor at Spiro Health.
0: Welcome, you all. I'm
1: glad to have you on here. Uh, we wanted to have you guys on today, man, because of the importance, I think, and to destigmatize, uh, you know, medically assisted treatment. Um, we have several of our clients at Turning Point that uh, either are in your guys' program or in other. Programs like that, outpatient programs in the area, and I've seen a lot of success with that, uh, especially like Cody. He's a great success story of it. I had a lot of friends when I was in the madness that were uh, on it, and, you know, it helps them. It, like, you're able to live a normal life. Um, you're able to work, and you don't have to worry about the getting sick or, the, you know, scrounging for money and all the things that people struggle with when they're using and getting in trouble with the law and stuff like that. So I believe that it's extremely beneficial, and we wanted to just have you guys on and talk a little bit about your program over there at Spiral Health and, you know, outpatient treatment in the area in general and the benefits of it and uh, to try to crush some of the myths and the stigma that surrounds that. So, um, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about your guys' program? And
0: Sure. Uh, basically, we do outpatient uh, addiction treatment Uh, we can specialize in opiate use disorder uh, but we also can treat pretty much every type of addiction there is Uh, we offer groups for stimulant addiction Uh, we offer uh, vivitrol therapy for people with alcohol use disorder Mm -hmm. Um, and we even treat smoking cessation if somebody wants to quit smoking cigarettes Uh, but uh, as far as far as our program goes it's a, a basic pretty standard outpatient program uh, that does offer MAT for people with opiate use disorder. Uh say we specialize in that. Um, and we have several types of resources that we, that we offer along with our program. Um, I think people tend to get the misconception a lot that when people go to a, a place that does MAT, they refer to it as like a suboxone clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to a suboxone clinic, oh, they go to a suboxone clinic. And what they don't realize is that almost every outpatient uh, treatment facility that does MAT Um, especially that are CARF certified, uh, where they do their certification through CARF, uh, or accreditation, sorry. Um, They're required to meet certain criteria in order to operate, you know, in the state in in compliance with our accreditation. Uh, And in doing so, we have to offer several things um, that a lot of people may not know that we offer that go with our program, um, which includes counseling services. And in our program, counseling services are uh, mandatory for compliance with the program, um, we also have optional services like case management services. Um, we have peer support services, people who have been through the addiction process and can help kind of guide people through the process themselves. Um, and we even have you know, our, our medical providers that do uh, the medication prescribing. And it's not just, like I said, it's not just Suboxone. We do you know, Vivitrol injections. Uh, we can do the Sublocade injections for people that don't want to take the actual medication every day. Um, and on top of that, we, like I said, we offer smoking cessation. Um, we do, you know, groups specifically tailored toward uh, stimulant addiction, specifically methamphetamine for the most part. Um, and as far as your, you know, your standard uh, outpatient experience with our facility, I'll, I'll kind of give a, a base overview. And I'll kind of let Lori dig a little deeper into the, the heart of what we do at, our, at Spiro is, uh, we mainly focus on the counseling aspect of, of recovery. Um, so with our, with our program, basically, we do uh, new patient assessments, um, the new patient assessment, a patient will call, and we have a, a rule. We get them in with 24 to 48 hours. Um, we call it same day, next day. Uh, we attempt to get them in actually as, as quickly as we possible can, possibly can for the most part. Uh, we find that sometimes people change their minds in a, in a very, very short amount of time, uh, and we have a pretty limited window when someone calls and asks for help. Um, and we find that if we get them in quicker, they're more likely to stay with us longer, and we're more likely to make a positive impact on the patients. Um, in doing so, the patient will come in for an assessment. Um, Lori, Lori will, will dig into this here in a minute and kind of all the breakdown of that. Um, but after that, uh, they'll review them to see if they need case management services, uh, anything like that. And then they'll, they'll go to our medical provider, and they'll um, do, um, what is it, the Cajun cows? They do... Uh,
2: Cajun cows. Mm-hmm. To evaluate uh, withdrawals and um, how appropriate they are for medication.
0: Mm-hmm. And using that, the providers will usually you know, decide whether or not they, they fit the model for opioid use disorder uh, or uh, any type of other addiction treatment that requires medication. Um, and in doing so, uh, they tailor kind of a dose for that person based on the severity of their addiction, um, how they rate on, on several different uh medical evaluation parts of the of the actual medical evaluation Um, and in doing so after that we we schedule their appointments most most patients uh, I would say predominantly the largest degree of our patients start off at phase one we're technically a three-phase program Um, the first one is called induction um, and in that case our patients will come in weekly um, usually do weekly visits uh, with us for an extended period of time and like I said Lori will talk more about the individualized uh, patient care portion. But it's, in terms of a broad overview, we'll, we'll have phase one, um, and they do a clinical review process for our patients and kind of review things with them. And if we feel they've, uh, they're doing well enough and stable enough to move to phase two, phase two comes every two weeks. Um, and it has a, not a hard and fast set of rules, but I guess you'd say like kind of things they're looking for to make sure they're stable enough to go to the next step. Um, and then we'll get them out to usually a monthly phase. Uh, where they'll come once a month, do their counseling once a month. And counseling and provider visits are usually paired up with every single visit to make sure they're, they're progressing through treatment. But uh, then eventually we, we want them to be on the lowest dose of medication possible if they are on medication. Uh, sometimes that means they're completely off the medication. Sometimes that means they're on an extremely low dose sometimes. But like I said, there's no real set time frame for it. Uh, basically it's individually tailored for each person's recovery. Uh, There's no hard and fast rules for for how long it's supposed to take someone to get through the program. Uh, Each person is going to judge on how how quickly they're they're capable of doing it.
2: Basically, the one thing that we focus on is the whole person. And so we don't look at just your drug use. Uh, Your lifestyle affects your uh, addiction recovery. Your addiction recovery affects your lifestyle. So we want to look at more than just your using. We look at your living environment, we look at your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health and all those life skills and a lot of times um, it's hard for counseling to get anywhere with someone struggling with addiction when maybe they're coming into treatment and they got so low that they are homeless, they don't have any family anymore, they've burned all their bridges so they don't have any of their basic needs being met We can't work on their emotions or building up coping skills when they are more focused on finding food and shelter. So we look at the whole person, and that's where our case management and peer support come in handy. Um, So we have case management that helps them find needs that they need um, to be able to uh, cover their basic needs and their safety and security. Um, And then we have counseling and peer support that covers the other areas Um, And we focus on the individual. So we tailor each patient's treatment to their individual needs. Some patients start off on a very low dose. Some patients start off on a moderate dose Mm -hmm. on their medication. Some patients will uh, start off with individuals only for a while to focus on getting them more stable so that they are able to handle groups. Some people go right into groups. Uh, some people will come weekly longer than others and it all just, it's based on the individual needs. And that's what we focus on is the person, not the patient. Um, we look for little progresses um, and focus on success regardless of where they are in their addiction.
0: I think we, and I talked with Lori about this earlier today. We actually had a discussion about this. It was um, kind of debunking the people aren't making progress in recovery. Uh, well they're they're still they still have an illicit problem they're dealing with and a lot of the times we'll have patients come into our our program that are on four or five different illicit substances um, and we'll within a few months have them down to just one and just reminding people from outside that that scope that that's a big deal it is uh, that's a it's a huge deal to stop anything and especially if you're stopping three and we're still working on one hurdle uh, and that's a mountain of progress that we that we've gotten through with some patients and um, basically <laughs> we talked about that earlier because I had the same discussion with just a random person one of my friends in my friend group about uh, you know what, what was it like working with the patient population and well how, how do you think that's recovery and you know this kind of stuff I mean it really takes a lot to just uh, speak to people about it sometimes because they just don't know there's, there's not a lot of education on the subject
1: we'll be
2: right back hello everybody you want to know something my biggest issue with meetings is despite their name they're never about me Here at Turning Point, all of our meetings are for you and about you. We have meetings at least three times a day, seven days a week. We are located at 415 Broadway, Paducah, Kentucky. Call 270-444-3621 for more information.
0: Did you know that recovery from substance use disorder and mental health go hand in hand? That is why the caring and compassionate mental health professionals at Four Rivers Behavioral Health in Paducah are here to help you find your balance. They are proud of you for making the changes necessary to live a healthier life and would love to see you reach your full potential. Give them a call at 270-442-7121 or stop by the downtown location at 425 Broadway in Paducah, Kentucky.
2: You get somebody that walks in the door and they've lost everything and so not only are they dealing with all all the consequences from their lifestyle when they were using they're dealing with trying to get their life back in order plus they're dealing with everyday typical things that we all deal with so you're dealing with so much that it's too much to expect them to be able to stop using everything right on day one so we just tell them okay let's focus on First, if it's someone with opiates and other substances, let's focus first on getting you off of all opiates, stabilizing you on the Suboxone. Then we'll focus on the next substance, and we'll focus on it one thing at a time. And once they start seeing success with, oh, I, I'm, I'm doing great on not using opiates, okay. Oh, I'm, do, I'm, I'm only down to this. You know, it gives them more motivation and builds up their confidence when – majority of the times they have no confidence when they're coming in
1: right yeah i i completely agree with a lot of things you guys are saying like I think it's really important to realize to treat the person like everybody's different. Everybody's been through different experiences, whether it be trauma or whatever they people have been through. you got to figure out where they're at, you know, mentally, uh, physically, all those things. And that's a great way to approach it. And also, I didn't know, like, Matt, what you said about getting to them early. You have that small window. Uh, I didn't know that, you, that that was a thing for you guys. And I think that's great because that's kind of like... When we the best time to help someone get into treatment or to be willing to start a recovery journey is like sadly after an overdose or something when they're and like you said, people coming in, Lori, people coming in, you know, homeless, broken. Uh, it's it's sad that it takes getting to that point to being willing to do something, but that's when it's the most crucial
2: to try and get to those people because that's when they're open and willing, you know. We've had patients walk in with maybe a family member or a friend who's in the program and they're struggling. And we didn't have spots available, but we figured out a way to revamp a schedule or borrow a clinician from another clinic, and we got them scheduled for an assessment either right then or the next day, and they come back. But a lot of times what we find out is, and I've had patients that tell me this, where they've called, they've made an appointment, their, their uh, uh, intake is a week later, and, well before their appointment comes they've relapsed and got off the deep end again so now they're not in the right mindset or they're homeless and they have no way to get here uh or they're honestly they don't know what day of the week it is um so that's too too long of a window to try to get somebody in when they say i need help they're wanting it right now
0: and something they remind us of too and and in those instances where we we have nothing and say they call it Four thirty 30 in the afternoon and we're talking to somebody about needing to get in. Of course, we're going to get them in as soon as we can the next day. Um, but I've just sat and talked to people for 20, 30 minutes on the phone just to hear them out and let them know what's going on. That we, we care and we're, we're there to help them. And we have something available for them first thing in the morning, just come in. Um, and a lot of the times too, if, if someone's in crisis, I mean, I'm not a counselor by any stretch of the means, but I'm a, a willing ear to l- listen to someone if they have some issues and, um, it just uh, a lot of times they just want to be heard uh, and just be able to discuss something and let, they're not alone, um, and we encourage that environment in our in our clinics and I think every place that does outpatient treatment should. Uh, we've had instances of, of patients that just come in and we'll say, hey, uh, can I sit in the lobby for a little while? There's people using at my apartment and I don't want to be over there. Yeah, and I'm just like, sure. Hey, you want you want some to drink? You want some water? Yeah, just go out and have a seat and they'll sit in the lobby for a couple hours and then get up and leave and. To know that you know they have a, like a safe space like that is just, I mean, it just makes me feel really good about you know the, the work that we do and stuff. Um, but like she said, you know, the the main thing that keeps me up at night with a lot of the, uh, like you said, getting them in the same day and next day is what happens and what what constantly goes through my mind and pretty much my entire team is if we don't get them tonight, is there a chance that someone could overdose? Yeah, and they're obviously going through a rough enough time where they are desperate enough to call for help and ask and ask for help. And if we're not there to answer that call, I mean, that could be you know, catastrophic to someone trying to get into recovery. For and a
2: lot of them, when they ask us for help, they're honestly not necessarily expecting us to actually help them. Um, a lot of them have asked for help multiple times, and they're met with a lot of disappointments along the way you got to wait or well it's your fault or um, we can't help you uh, you know they're really low and it takes a lot of courage for uh, the majority of them to even call to make an appointment let alone wait to come in um, so yeah we want to try to get them in as quick as possible we want to make sure to treat them as a real person
0: and that's, because uh,
2: most of the time they're not
0: yeah. And when I, when I initially got into this field, I worked in senior care before I got into addiction treatment. So I had, this was a completely new ballpark for me when I, <laughs> when I got into it. And um, I remember it was like the first, uh, the first couple of weeks that I, was, that I was there just like realizing that I had no idea that there was such a large portion of people dealing with the stuff that, that people were dealing with. And it just, it completely changed my thinking on everything. I, I kind of had no idea what I was getting into, but at the same time, like, I was like, I have to do something. Like, this is, you know, and, and trying to educate people on it, too, and, um, like I said, it just kind of blew me away. <laughs> like it does most people. I guess it starts off in the field or people that don't have a history with it. Yeah, if you don't know about it or haven't
1: experienced it, you don't realize how big of a problem it really is. And,
2: and unless you've walked in their shoes, it's really hard to understand what they've been through. I'm... Um, very passionate about this field this is probably the only field i'll work in Um, and i love the company i work for i mean spiro health i feel like our team here in paducah does an amazing job we have multiple locations but there are also other uh, very qualified mat or addiction outpatient treatment programs in the area so if anybody watching this is needing somewhere to go Please come up to Turning Point. Ask for references. Call somewhere. Get in somewhere.
0: Like, Absolutely, like I said. Like I, I, I would, I would love for people to come see us. But at the same time, I've helped people find places. If something, if our scheduling didn't fit their needs, or right. I have no problem, you know, referring people to other facilities because as long as they're getting help, that's the end of the. That's the. End, that's what I care about. Sometimes exactly. our
2: program's not the right program. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're not the right fit, and that's okay. There is a program out there that is the right fit. Keep trying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I love to hear that you said that people come in and hang out there, and because they see it's a safe space and stuff. Because that's literally what Turning Point is about—to provide that safe space for people to come hang out when they don't have anywhere positive for them to go at the time. So I, I I'm glad that that's going on there too. Um,
2: I had a, I had a patient uh, several years back, and he kept relapsing because of his living environment and it's not that who he was living with was using, it's just the people around and sometimes he might get in an argument with the person he was living with and need to leave, well the only place he could leave was where drugs were, so I said if we're open come here come hang out, ask for a soda, hang out in the waiting room, the only thing I gotta tell you is when we gotta close, I'm sorry I gotta gotta make you go, Uh, but they, at that time, that was before you guys opened up here, if I'm correct. Mm. And, you know, so there wasn't a whole lot of places. You got the library. That's the only thing I could think of
1: True.
2: and whatnot. So now, you know, we still tell people they can come hang out in our place if they want. Uh, we're also, I got some of those cards from Turning Point, and I'm also recommending people come here as well because right. it's nice to have somewhere safe where you feel comfortable going.
1: We'll be right back.
2: Hey y'all, did you know it's illegal to own just one guinea pig in Switzerland because they get lonely? Here at Turning Point, we don't want you to ever be lonely either. That's why we are open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Always feel free to come hang with our friendly staff and don't forget your guinea pig. We're located at 415 Broadway Street, downtown Paducah.
1: One thing I have always wondered is who put the alphabet in alphabetical order. At Turning Point, our goal is to help you put your life back in order. If you struggle or have struggled with substance use disorder and are in need of help, come see us at 415 Broadway Street, Paducah, Kentucky, or call 270-444-3621 and sign up for peer support services with one of our friendly staff who have lived experience with addiction. Hope to see you soon. working together you know mm-hmm. I, I pull for unity in the recovery community all the time like we're trying to save lives that's the the primary purpose and uh you know like I also I relate to what you said Matt, about y- you know you're not a counselor I'm not a counselor I'm a peer support like I have lived experience in addiction but you know as doing working as a peer support and doing one-on-ones you know People just want to open up to you. They, they look at you sometimes as a therapist, and, and you know, I can't give them all the answers. But like you said, sometimes just listening is, is enough, and I think that that's an important part of just I try to be as empathetic as I can for towards people. I'm definitely sympathetic to everyone's situation, and, and just being able to listen and try to you know relate to them on whatever level you can and give your experience, strength, and hope to them as important part of what we do and sounds like what you guys do too. Uh Cody, you know, you were on a recent podcast, uh <laughs> the Drug Court podcast, yeah. and you are open about your, you know, being an MAT and yeah. uh you're a great success story for it, man. I've seen when I first seen you come in here, you know, quiet, shy, you know, didn't know if you wanted this or not yet. Uh, you know, drug court being forced to do it. Nobody likes drug court in the beginning. Um, But there's been extreme growth in you uh, and I'm proud of you for that. You know, and uh, a lot of it's been through, uh, you know, you're doing medically assisted treatment and then you work in the steps and coming to peer support. So talk a little bit about uh, your experience with
0: it, man. Well, uh, Sparrow Health, I've been going to them for a while now and uh they were there for me in the rough part of my addiction too you know uh and they were definitely there whenever i decided to change my life and start my recovery you know uh suboxone for me it helped stabilize me in the beginning part of my recovery and it, it helped take the phenomenon of craving away from me just knowing you know uh I'm phase three, y'all's program now, and uh, I'm tapering down now, so I'm doing pretty well.
1: Yeah, I know you are, man. That's like it. I said, I'm proud of you. And and that, I really do like the the tapering down part of it, man. Sometimes I I know there's a lot of stigma and myths attached to, uh, you know, mat, but. Uh, And that's the one thing I always say is sometimes I wish there was more incentive to wean off of it to taper down, and I think there is becoming that more and more, um, and I'm happy to see that.
0: The thing to do with it, too, is that um, to do it in a controlled way. um, I think that a lot of people might not know how it works, too, so so as far as, like, the tapering, we like to taper people in – pretty incrementally small doses to where you're not having physiological side effects from the tapering process. And if we can avoid as many of those as possible, it makes the tapering process much easier on the patients. And sure. plus, it's paired with, you know, it's, it's never like, hey, right, right, you're going to taper down. We're going to cut you down on your meds right now. It's, hey, we're going to discuss this in the future. Uh, they have a meeting with their counselors like Lori, and Lori delves into, uh, you know, deep aspects of this is something you might experience during the tapering process, I want to get you ready for it. Is there anything you're concerned about doing this before we do this? Because we want to make sure it's going to be successful. And having the preparation to do so, I think, also just makes it exceedingly easier for people to deal with.
2: I've been with Sparrow for six years. I started as a case manager and then became a counselor. And one thing that I've learned is the biggest hurdle with tapering is the fear of tapering. Sure. Uh, You know, someone who's struggled with addiction for as long as the majority of our patients have, now they finally have success. They have a job. They've got their relationships back. They've got money in their pockets. They're sober. Why do I want to take away the one thing that's keeping me there? So there's that huge fear of what happens if uh, that a lot of them struggle with. And the way I look at it is, I don't know about other programs. I know about the way ours works. Um, Our counselors and our providers, we work very closely together. So if a provider notices that one of her patients has some fear or hesitation associated with tapering, she's going to have them scheduled for an individual to discuss that with the counselor. Um, I talk to every one of my patients, and I'll do this in group. Um, We'll talk about, you know, tapering, and I use the word tapering quite often to try to take the fear of the word away. Um, But I use um, uh, cognitive strategies because basically the way I explain it to patients is the doctor works on getting your body ready to taper. But if your brain's not ready to taper, it don't matter how well your body is. So my job as the counselor is get your brain ready to taper. And a lot of times that's what people forget is to get the brain ready. So we focus on helping patients be okay with tapering, that, right. to let them know that they can do it.
1: Yeah, and I think that that coupled with the uh, you know therapy sessions that you do, and you know like I know Cody works the programs, working the steps, you build those connections and. In- the community around you of support also that, you know, if you're using them properly, you know, you go to them when you're struggling with things. And then like, I know if, if it's not working, you guys can up the dosage again and, you know, until they're ready. And, but I think that all those things working together is what makes it work for mm-hmm. people, you know? Yeah. That's why it worked for me.
0: Absolutely. That's the big thing that I just hope to get out of you know, sharing the stuff too, is that it's not, it's not just medication. It's not just counseling. It's a, it's, like it's a holistic approach to treating somebody. We try to cover every aspect that can be negatively affected by addiction and make sure we can cover everything we possibly can.
2: Whatever we don't offer in-house, we refer out. Um, we will touch on mild mental health issues that patients are handling, but typically me and our other counselor, we prefer to refer out for mental health treatment so that we can focus on addiction and their other therapists can focus on mental health because it's hard to focus on both at the same time. So if we do it that way, it works better. Um, So we refer out for mental health. We refer out for dentists, for um, all different kinds of other resources that they might might need. Vocational rehab, we've referred out for that.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's kind of how we do it. You know, we refer to Four Rivers for mental health and therapy and stuff like that, because, like I said, we're not therapists. But that's a. I feel like that's a really great model, man, because it takes uh, a city or a village, you know, as the saying goes. You know, oh, we can't do this alone. I mean, I know that I couldn't have done it alone. It was, uh, you know, when I got to treatment, it was seeing that there was other people that were trying to do it seriously, realizing that there was help and then being willing, you know, to apply myself and uh, put the action in. And I really think that, thank God that that you guys are a part of the community that's helping to do that, because I think you guys are doing a great job, and I've seen the success, you know, in that. So I really appreciate you guys. Is there anything else you guys want to say or talk about before we uh, close this out?
2: I'm good.
0: Uh, Just that... uh I guess if anybody is on the fence about going into recovery and you're concerned about uh, confidentiality or anything like that, just know that, um, and I don't think most people know this, but substance abuse treatment and mental health treatment falls into a a separate category of HIPAA that is a lot more stringent in, in getting any information out there. So confidentiality is fiercely protected at pretty much any place that you go to for any kind of treatment. So... Uh, if you're concerned about confidentiality or anything like that, it's not something that I would be very concerned about. Um, yeah. I know I myself have dealt with it repeatedly <laughs> with, with several different aspects. Of, well,
1: the punishment for breaking HIPAA is pretty severe, too. <laughs> so that keeps <laughs> very, you in check. Yeah. Very
0: severe. And I, you know, I always say I stringently and ardently protect our patients' privacy. Um, and that's one thing that uh, I think a lot of people are hesitant about coming forward because they might not... You know, let anybody know that they even have an addiction problem, and they may be afraid to actually admit it or, or talk to anybody about it. But just knowing that that stuff's confidential, and, and people like me in the, in the operations aspect will fight tooth and nail to keep anything that you say or do there pretty much confidential. Um, and it, I want people to feel like they're open to talk about things.
1: Yeah, and that's why I feel like it's so important to do things like this, to break the stigma, to get the information out there, for people like Cody to, to be, you know, to come forward and be proud of it and, and other people be able to say, look, look at how this is working and be proud of him. Um, yeah, we need more of that, you know, because to break down those barriers of fear and that people might have, you know.
2: Yeah, and I want to point out, Suboxone is not replacing their drug. Um, we teach patients how to take it like a medication um, to take it exactly as prescribed, take it properly. Um, Basically, I want my patients to treat it like they would their blood pressure medication or diabetes medication. If you don't take your blood pressure medication or diabetes medication, it's going to affect your moods, it's going to affect your mind, it's going to affect your body, um, just like regular drugs do. Um, So, it's not a drug necessarily it is a medication um, and it helps patients Uh, they they're not getting high off of it they're preventing themselves from feeling physical withdrawals Um, and that's super important because those physical withdrawals are extremely painful so a lot of times people will come or people keep using opiates just to not feel that
1: Well, once again, thank you guys for all that you do. Thank you for providing the information, for get, helping get it out there, and for coming on here and talking about it. Thank you, Cody, for being willing to do this. Um, check us out on YouTube or listen to our audio versions on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Podbean. And as always, stay grateful.
0: If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction or in recovery and needs guidance, Speak with Turning Point's team of peer support specialists by calling 270 3621 You are not alone, and we are proof that recovery is possible.